nice to, to see you guys. And um, I thought I'd start by giving a little bit of an update on how we've been going out with our Selwyn campus plant. Um, the team out there, they are amazing. And oh my goodness, church, God has been so incredibly faithful to us. Um, so since we launched in September last year, oh, Tim will tell me off like I always fiddle with the things. Um, since we launched in September last year, we have doubled um, since our launch team, which is incredibly exciting. Um, people coming along, we've seen a lot of people who haven't been in church for a long time. Um, some of them received the flyer in the mail, some of them received an invitation from a friend, and they saw it as an opportunity, as kind of a fresh start in their relationship with God and within the church. Isn't that amazing? And they have, um, they're a beautiful part of our family now. God is doing some incredible stuff within them. Um, we've seen people who have been traveling um, for church who have really wanted to be part of something local, who have joined with us, and they are amazing people as well. Um, we're seeing God making some um, incredible opportunities into the university, which is amazing. Some of the work we've been doing with Red Frogs and through orientation, just building relationships. And last week we were super pumped because we had two whole rows of students, um, which was amazing because when we launched, we didn't have any students. Um, it is this beautiful mix. I think we've got some photos we can kind of cycle through as well. Um, this beautiful mix of uh, intergenerational, multicultural uh, campus, which is so amazing. God is bringing people in from all over the nations. Uh, we have ones who are studying here from Malawi, doing some amazing things um, as they're studying at the university. And, you know, they've got a heart for their nation as they go back. And we're just praying that we can continue to build into them um, a whole bunch of different places. I'm from India, from Cameroon, although she's moved in here and <laughs> she's come here this morning. But um, yeah, just amazing. God has been so incredibly faithful. And the cool thing is that it feels like us. Like it looks different to here, but it feels like us, um, which is so cool. And I just want to take this opportunity to say a massive thank you to um, the team that has continued to carry that um, particularly the musicians who have continued to travel out every week because we're growing a team out in Selwyn, which is exciting. We've got, a, we've got a base out there, but as they've been finding their feet, the team has been coming and been leading us in worship, and we've seen some incredible encounters with God in that place. So I want to say a massive thank you to them. Um, to the tech team, these are like the unsung heroes. Um, the last couple of, couple of months, they have really gone next level, um, particularly as we've been live streaming. I mean, it's one thing to run cameras in this place where if something goes wrong, you can still look to the stage. It's another thing when you know there is 100 people who are solely relying on that camera shot, right? Um, and they have just risen to the challenge, and they have been amazing. God has, the live streams are actually incredible. Um, the way that God ministers and works through them is, is really quite amazing. We have new people coming in, and their first week was uh, when Carl shared one of his messages, or I think when Danny was sharing, and they were just like, man, this is amazing. Like, the atmosphere in the room is still incredible. Like, God is just totally blessing it. So I just wonder, could you guys give just a massive thank you to our tech team and our musos? And um, um, honestly, all the hard work they've done behind the scenes is amazing. Um, but also, I want to encourage you guys as well, if you have an opportunity, if, you know, there's maybe a week where you're not rusted on here or something at Levita, come out and visit. Um, come see it, because it really is just um, the fulfillment of a promise that God has given us. And for those that sacrificed and gave in the Thanksgiving and faith offering, you know, stand in it. See the, see the faces of the people that you don't know because they weren't there 
seven months ago when we launched this thing because they weren't in church and just be a part of celebrating this incredible promise because I know there are people here who have sacrificed, who have prayed, who have carried this. And so, yeah, please, please come visit. Don't all come on the same week because Carl probably won't be super stoked about that. But definitely, definitely please come out and visit one week and just come and enjoy it and be, be part of your extended family out there. Um, yeah. So... That's what we've been up to for the last wee while. I hear that you guys have been busy as well. How amazing. We had 70 people that went for, left from here as well, and you guys have, like, filled back up. They filled all their seats. Like, man, go you guys. This is, this is awesome. Um, so to those new faces that I haven't met before, um, hey, it's awesome to meet you. Um, but I think what we are seeing God do across both our campuses, what we are seeing God doing in our church at the moment is incredibly, incredibly exciting. And I think even in the stuff that we have journeyed through in a city in the last couple of weeks, man, did we see God already preparing some stuff in our hearts and our spirits around this. And I think particularly of the journey that we've been walking with Carl around his, um, his health and, and the faith that God has been increasing in us as, as we stretch and, and really praying for those miraculous things to shift and seeing the shift and change and that update that he gave the other week. How amazing is that? And I know that there are also incredible stories sitting within this room and within the Alavita campus as well, uh, our Selwyn campus, of, of people whose lives have been touched and changed through those prayers as well. And, and seeing God start to shift and move and shape some stuff in a way that I hope stirs an excitement within our hearts, right? Is anyone else excited? I think there is definitely a shift and a change and an increasing in our faith as a church. And see, as I was reflecting on this and I prepared this message a few, I uh, was actually preparing this message a few weeks ago, um, I sat and I, was, I, was, I wrote these words. These past few months have been a real time of growth for us as a church as we have been learning to trust and sit with God in the mystery of that which we don't understand. That was the morning of Friday the 15th of March. And already at that stage, I felt that God was challenging us and to trust him in the mystery of the things that we don't understand. How much more true was that going to be within 24 hours, right? Carl and I had actually been messaging that day because we were both preparing messages around this and, and what we felt that God was doing and what he was stirring. And it was amazing that by that evening, just how different it had been from when we'd been preparing our messages in, this, in the morning. But as we had sat in the few weeks earlier and been talking about what we feel God was speaking, we so strongly felt, and I know that Carl shared this with you last week and I shared it with us Owen campus, that we felt God saying, don't, try, don't chase me for the miracle, chase me for who I am. And then as I sat down a week later, going how incredibly true that was, in the midst of seeing a breakthrough in Carl's health, in the midst of hearing stories of what God was doing in amongst our people, we also now sat in a place of deep pain and grief within our city, walking with things that we had never anticipated. See, it is in the place of seeing God working in the things that are miraculous and also going to funerals and memorial service that we're going to choose to keep our eyes fixed and focused on the things that are right. We're going to be a church who pursue God. I love that God says, those who seek me will find me. And that 
hide and seek with God isn't a hard game. But he is like, he's like that little kid that's standing in the corner going, I'm here, come find me. But, you know, that is his heart. But there's an action on our part, but, man, he is more than willing to respond and to lean into that. I hope that as a church we begin to pray prayers like Moses prayed in Exodus 33, 16. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us from here. Now more than ever, we want to pursue God and I hope live with a deep awareness of the hand of God that is upon us and that we pray, Lord, please do not take your hand off us that it is by his grace that we are given breath. It is by his grace that we get to live in his creation. By his grace we are given another day. The many blessings that we have are from him and are sustained by him. See, in that lead up to that prayer of Moses in Exodus 33, what had preceded that was that Moses had gone up the mountain. And he had been meeting with God. We had you know, been, reading, been receiving the tablets where God had been writing with his own hand what was going to shape and form them as a community, as a people of God within that nation. But they estimate that it was probably about a month that he was up that mountain. And in that time, the people that were down at the bottom who were waiting for him allowed fear and allowed doubt to start creeping into their hearts. And I thought, maybe he's not coming back. Mm, I thought that he might have been back by now. Oh, it's been a whole other week. Like, I wonder where he is. And within that, they allowed fear to start creeping. And God was working and was moving and was still planning and was still sovereign and the promises were still true for them. But in the midst of the waiting, they allowed their hearts to go back to the comfort of what was old and what they had known before. And in their fear, they went to Aaron and they said, we need a new God. And so they bought their gold and they bought the things that were valuable to them. They sacrificed something out of value and they put it into a fire and they built a golden calf and they said, this will now be our God. And Aaron comes back down and uh, Moses comes back down and his heart is just broken. And he and God are just like, guys, I had this. I hadn't changed. My promises were still towards you. But he actually says that they were stiff-necked. And the, re- the, where that, the term where that phrase comes from, remember they were an agricultural people and they would use oxen. And often they would have oxen that were unwilling to shift or to change or to move. And so they couldn't, um, they couldn't steal them, they couldn't shift them, they couldn't, couldn't move them. And they would call them stiff-necked. And he says, this is what you have become. You have been so unwilling to change. But God in his faithfulness still had promises for them. And so as we turn to Exodus 33, verse 14, it's into this situation that Moses is now stepping. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, 
All the people rose and stood at the entrance to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. How amazing would that be to see? As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their house. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. And so it's in this place that Moses starts to petition God. Because with encounters with God also comes accountability. And the Israelites had had these encounters with God, but they'd still allowed that fear and that doubt to rest in their hearts and allow them to turn them back to their old ways where they previously brought them comfort. And in that moment, as as Moses is talking with God, God says, I will bless you. I will still give you your promises, but I will not go with you. And it's from that place that Moses says, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. And so what does God do in his grace and in his mercy towards him? He says that he will go with him. But church, I hope, I hope that we will not just seek the blessing of God upon what we do but we will seek his presence and his hand upon us as we go into these places, that something will resonate within our hearts, that, Lord, we will not go unless your presence goes with us. See, what can happen when that is the case? Originally, when I was writing this message, I said that it was on the 15th of March, and so I was actually going to be speaking at Selwyn on the 17th of March. And Anyone know what day that is? St. Patrick's Day, right? And so throughout the city, you know, we see shamrocks and green hats and Guinness and all of these sorts of things. But actually, there is an incredible story of a nation that was changed within the story of St. Patrick. And um, I I guess I was originally intrigued by it when I first heard it. So my last name is McCarthy, right? Um, Mick meaning son of and Carthy being an Irish chieftain. So this is like my heritage, like within this within this nation, and like diddly do potatoes, like that's my people, right? Like, and going, I don't know. I kind of always thought with those nations within Europe that, you know, you sort of think always sort of had this Christian heritage. But actually, as I learned more, that that Ireland was a stronghold for animism. That there was it was the Celts and the. Um, the Druid worship and the magic and all those things were the stronghold and were the religion and the faith of that nation. And it was the place where no one wanted to go to. And where previously, um, I guess, missionaries and Christians had gone into that place to share the gospel, it had really been shut down because there was actually incredible power within those things. And those things had become such strongholds within that nation. And so I was intrigued as I started to hear the story of St. Patrick. See, he was actually an Englishman who lived, and um, as the, the Roman Empire was starting to recede and there were some, some issues and people where the warriors had, or the fighters, I don't know what they were called in England, but anyway, the soldiers, soldiers, that would be the word, soldiers had you know, gone back down that had left this part quite exposed. And so the Irish raiders had come across and started to raid this part of England. And in part of that, they captured this young man who at the time was 16 years of age, And they took Patrick back to Ireland where he was sold into slavery for six years. He ended up tending sheep 
in the mountains in the highlands of Ireland. And he had come from quite a comfortable, well-off family down in England that he knew, he knew a faith in God, but it wasn't particularly deep and it wasn't particularly personal. But he was, as he was cast into this world with an island and seeing the power of the Druid priests, seeing the power of the, those Celtic strongholds within that nation, it drew him deeper into his relationship with God because he was like, man, I don't know how to survive in this place. I don't know what I'm going to do. And he talks about in some of his writings, meeting and learning how to hear the voice of God as he sought him in those places, in those mountaintops, in those deep valleys, in those places. God was speaking and God was shaping him to the extent that he felt God say to him, soon you will return to your own land. And within that, God provided an opportunity and the courage for him to be able to escape to a ship where he managed to get back to France and then back up to England to his family. Quite amazing, right? But then within that time, people said, oh man, you have been through so much, you should settle, you can have a comfortable life here. Something within him has shifted and changed, and he had gone deeper in his relationship with God that he couldn't settle back into what he had before. And then one night he had a dream where an Irishman came to him with a letter and said, will you come and walk amongst us again? And he knew in his heart that God was calling him back to that place. And so he was actually incredibly wise, which is a big part of why he saw so much success, is he went and he studied. He took the language and the culture that he had already learned in that time. And he shaped and he deepened and he grew his faith. And then when he was, they allowed him to go back in the right time and the right space, he entered back into that nation, partly they said, yeah, go, because no one else wanted to go at that time. They're like, man, you reckon you can reach Ireland? Dude, you go for gold. <laughs> but what happened? The presence of God was with him, and the presence of God was on him. God's hand was leading and guiding him. And so in amongst the spiritual strongholds, God started to work and to move in people's lives. He started to do miraculous things. And I encourage you to look into his story a little. They say that there's around about 30 people that were raised from the dead. Some of them were the sons of kings and of chiefs that he raised from the dead to show the good, to testify to the goodness of God and to the power of the name of Jesus in those places. And whole villages came to faith because of it. Because they saw the power of the sovereign hand of God. There's accounts of where he was um, called into trials where some of the Druid priests were trying to accuse him of these things. And so he actually raised from the dead one of the witnesses who gave an account of what had actually happened, accepted Christ, and then actually returned to the grave. But I encourage you, there's some crazy stories. Like, look into these things that were shifting and moving as God's hand was moving throughout this nation. And what was God doing? He was allowing signs and wonders to point to the kingdom. See, in a nation where Druid priests were the ones who held the power, they even looked and saw Patrick as more powerful than the Druid priests because the sovereign hand of God was upon him. What rested within him was so remarkable 
that it saw a move of God start to permeate throughout this nation. And by the time the church has uh, back in, in England has went, man, what is happening? What is up there? It had shifted and gone throughout all of the, the villages and the social networks and all of those things and started to shift and change a nation. There started to be training schools and camps and all these things happening around the place where God was raising up leaders to go out and to reach the Irish. And remarkably, within the space of a man's lifetime, a nation was radically changed by many people, but also because the presence and the hand of God was upon them. See, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. See, we don't, ch- don't chase God for the miracle. We chase him for who he is. And some of the things that we can learn from St. Patrick's journey and what happened in the nation of Ireland was we go because his presence leads. Signs and wonders will point to the truth of the kingdom. Places of slavery in the hands of God will become platforms for salvation. There are seasons where God will call us out and seasons where God will call us back. See, the pursuit of God leads to encounters in the presence of God that then leads to miracles that change nations. In the past few weeks, more than ever, I am so aware of the need for miracles that change nations. I hear stories of my friends as as it happens throughout Thailand, throughout Mozambique, and I am so desperate to see it happen in our nation. Is anyone else with me? The other week, I sat with a friend on that Friday afternoon of the 15th of March, and she awaited news of her husband who was in the mosque. And as we sat with her throughout the night, as we sat with her children, as they waited for news, as we held her at four in the morning, as news arrived that he wasn't at the hospital, as I held her in my arms, weeping, as I held her daughter, I was desperate for a miracle for God to work in that time, in that family. And the only way I can describe it is the story when the woman with the issue of blood comes to Jesus. And she touches his coat, his coat. And he goes, who touched me? And they go, are you kidding? Everyone's touching you. He goes, no, something left me. I can tell you by the grace of God that in the earlier hours of those morning, that morning, as I held my friend, I felt something of the peace and the grace of God leave me and minister to her. And I was so thankful for that because in that moment, I had nothing else. How do you sit in those spaces? How do you journey through this with people? If I had two arms, 
and the spirit of a resurrected Christ within me who was willing to minister and work and move in those situations. See, church, we're all filled with something. When we're bumped, what is it that overflows from our lives and spills into others? See, it is in the places of deep pain within within our nation that we will see the presence of God minister deep healing while revealing the grace and goodness of who he is in every sphere within our nation. Church, I pray that as we travel a way that we haven't before, that we are relentless in our pursuit of God and we pray with a deep conviction, please don't take your hand off us. If your presence is not with us, then please don't send us. And then whatever God is wanting or needing to do, he will find willing hearts and lives in us to see something miraculous happen within our nation. Tim, can you come back? Do you want to... See, as we sing this next song... Maybe picture the tent that Moses first went into, a place set apart, leaving what had happened in amongst the life and the people that he was with. A few moments where he intentionally stepped aside and sought the presence of God. And in those moments said, Lord, I am sorry for the times when we were unwilling to change, to trust, to be faithful. But Lord, may we find favor with you now. May you know our names. And if your presence does not go with us, then do not send us up from here. But if you are with us, then draw us deeper. Let us step into the land of your promises. Let us pursue you with all we have. And Lord, we pray that we will see your glory and see something miraculous happen in our nation because of it. And I pray We will be courageous in our response to God when he calls us. We will be filled to overflowing. And when people ask us, will you come and walk amongst us again? That there will be willing hearts in this place. See, church, there are people that God is calling you to walk amongst. Places where you know the culture, where you know the language. But I believe God's heart is to equip you to fill you with his presence, to be able to step back into those places and out of the overflow when people bump alongside you, when stuff happens and out of that overflow, God will be able to able to minister his presence. That through you, he will be able to minister something miraculous that will speak to his kingdom come. I wonder if you would stand with me this morning
For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And I just wonder even now within this time, maybe we could close our eyes. And I'd just love to pray if you go, actually, that's something I've been wrestling with, that fear. I've noticed some of that anxiousness starting to come back up. And if you just want to just stretch your hands to God, and I'd just love to pray right now. I think in this time that he's really just going to pour out a spirit of peace. And it's going to be out of that overflow that we're going to be able to minister to people. Thank you. Thank you. Just hands all across the space. Oh, Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, we thank you for that promise that, Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but, Lord, of power and of love and of a sound mind. Lord, that is a promise that we can hold on to and we can stand with. And so, Lord, by your spirit right now, Father, I pray that you will minister peace. Father, in those spaces where we are fearful and anxious, Lord, I pray that you will replace it with a grace to be able to minister peace to people. Father, even right now, I pray that you will be revealing to people the root of where that has come from. Even the lie that has been spoken that they're believing. Holy Spirit, will you just minister that now? And Lord, in this space, I pray that you will speak your truth, Lord Jesus. Lord, the truth of who you are. By your spirit and by your power, Lord, minister peace in this place. Father, that we will be people of peace. We will be carriers of your presence. Lord, we want to meet with you here in this place today. And Lord, our prayer is, Father, if you do not go with us, then do not send us. But Father, if you are with us, then Lord, we want to be courageous. We want to see nations changed. We want to see broken hearts healed. Father, we want to love those that are hurting and broken and walking through hard things in our city right now. Lord, let us just be ministers, ministers of your presence in our city. Father, the city that bears your name. And Father, we pray that it is the city that continues to bring you glory. 